when I get in those moments of settling, it's extremely difficult for me. I have the, the rabbit trail brain, all that kind of stuff. But it allows me in the rest of my day to draw from that experience with Jesus of settling and being with him. And my emotional ability, my emotional agility as I go throughout the day is so much higher so that I can even bring others peace. Hey friends, welcome to Free and Light, a podcast designed to help you experience the life Jesus offers. Hey, I'm your host, Tim Shelton, and I'm joined by my best friends, Josh, Kelly, and Bill, and we are excited you're here. So pull up a chair and join us in the conversation about what it takes to live free and light. Bill, Kelly, Josh, how you doing? Boom. Excited. Boom February. Sauce. Yeah. This it's is February, happening. man. We're excited. The dead of winter. I love it. <laughs> Kelly would say the dark night of my soul. Oh, but that, Wait, she, you said you soul. or her. Yes. She would say that about His me. Soul. Huh. Whose oh soul goodness. is dark? Tell me more. What was the name of the light thing? Isn't it a UV yeah. light? She got me a UV mm-hmm. light for Christmas. This is not on three things we love. I've got a different wow. thing Did you know today. that seasonal oppression disorder is negated by 50 to 80% by UV lights? So when she gave it to hey. me, I opened it up. I was like... Oh, thanks. That's what I've always wanted. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't ask for it. And I generally don't like surprises. This is like the emotional equivalent of like getting your fat friend a treadmill. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> can we put that in? No. <laughs> wife of vacuum. Josh, please rephrase that. Okay. Is it, well, let's, let's do, I'll do another take. So is it, <laughs> You're is, like, I have more of those. Is, is this like the emotional equivalent of like getting your stay at home wife slash mom a new vacuum? <laughs> oh my gosh. Nope. Nope. No? That's a line too. Uh, <laughs> Josh Colazano. Okay. So <laughs> Bill had to walk away from the table, friends. Uh, so wait, what do you, serious question. What do you do with this light? You so it's a light. It? You put it on your desk when you're working. And when I opened it, I went, oh, thanks. And she goes, yeah, I kind of feel like this is a uh, a need, not a want. This is a family gift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a it's not a UV light. I'm sorry. So it's light <laughs> therapy. Oh, it's a okay. it's a certain kind of bright light that comes on, uh, and it's supposed to I've help your your system. It's supposed to be great. I've yes. heard of that because you're in the Midwest here, where we're from. You're not getting that because the sun is the sun veiled behind. No, the gray. Sun, <laughs> you, you don't see the sun from somewhere around the middle of November to in April. You might see it at some point, and then in May you can see it again. Okay. Back. I'm yeah. with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kelly, has the light worked for Tim? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, how many days have you used the light? I would like to move on. <laughs> Let's move on to the conversation. All right. Three minutes in. I did and we... not expect that rabbit trail. Uh, friends. You said it. I did. Friends, we are so excited you're here episode three on season two, and we've got a great episode for you. I just want to remind you, in season two, we're dividing the season up into kind of three parts based on our mission at Sequel and in just personal missions, the four of us around this table. And our lives sort of revolve around, our spiritual lives revolve around three phrases or three words. The first phrase is be still. The second is listen or listen to Jesus. And the third is seek well. And so this episode and the next two are really going to be centered around this phrase, be still. So I just want to kind of throw this out to the three of you. What is that phrase, be still? What does that mean to you? I think like at first glance, first read, like I take it really practically. So 
be still. Like literally your body is like maybe the easiest and then the mind and then the soul. So I think those encompassing like all we are. So we're talking about be still, you need those things to stop moving. And it's, it's not just still. slowing down. Like it's not just the physical act. There's it's the an emotional. That, right? It's the yeah, destination it's, of that. Yeah. It's the ending point of that. It almost feels like slowing down is a prerequisite to being still. Gently pressing on the brake and then stopping. Mm, I like that. Oh, absolutely it is. And so we've thought about like, what's the right order to do these three episodes? This one on, you know, the idea of settling or being still and slowing and we'll get to Sabbath and so forth. But the reason why we're starting with this practice of settling, and we're going to talk a lot about that today, is really that's what we want. We want to have a settled soul. And that's part of like being still, like you were saying, Josh, body, mind, and soul. But the other reason is because I think the reality is, is American culture we don't feel very settled, do we? <laughs> but Tim, wait, I came here because I want to know how to live the life that Jesus offers. And you're telling me that there's some things that need to happen. Baby steps, my son. Okay. okay. <laughs> Baby steps. So we're literally starting with the most foundational step. And you might think at the end of the day, well, all they really told us to do is take a deep breath and like settle. And if we all did that a few times a day, <laughs> how would that help our relationship, spiritual life, mental there, well-being, workplace? There's not enough space in the recorder to talk about those. Exactly. So we're going to break this down just a little bit. And I wanted to start first with like, and sometimes it's easier to identify the problem by saying like, well, what is this not? So That's what's good. the opposite of being still? Me when I run a marathon, Fast. Mm. Nice. We talked about that last episode. Just saying. Nice are, humble brag. Yeah, you are sneaky. Fast. Sneaky fast. But it is fast, right? Yeah. Well, I think for some people, it's because we're so hurried, we're experiencing anxiety. So hurried as being the opposite of still. And settled. Yeah, we're not thinking clearly. We're moving at a pace that we can't stay at. We're constantly in motion, heart, body, mind. Not enough hours in the day. Yes. Mm, the feeling mm-hmm. that there's not enough hours in the day to do all the things that either I think need to be done or people are implying need to be done. Or mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you think one of the words we use around the table at some of our experiences is the pace of life is unsustainable for our soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let alone our mind and body. Yeah. yeah that, that's <laughs> yes. the, that's the, the thing there is when we're that hurried all the time in so many different areas. And like you said, Josh, it's not just physical. We can be sitting still and still fast and hurried in our mental space. Mm -hmm. So it's this consistent low hum of anxiety Mm. through being hurried that I think many of us listening, many of us in our our workplaces, our culture, our cities, many of us around the table, we experience that on a regular basis. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that last season. I think it was episode four on settling. And Josh, we we unpacked your story and that was a through line of your story uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. I want to get to like the fruit yeah. of this because this season we're really talking about the tension of each practice and then the fruit of each practice. And, you know, I think we can resonate with the tension of being still. It's just life. Life is fast and busy and, and hurried and so forth. But what is the fruit of fast and busy and hurried? I think it's anxiety. Not for everybody, but Kelly, you that's why I wanted you to maybe say a little bit more about that because... In America, we live in an anxious culture right now. And I think we all deal with it in different ways. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but there are people that when they get stressed out, then they amp up and do all the things. When I do, 
I glaze over and shut down and I just want to hide under my covers because mm-hmm. I'm completely overwhelmed where it paralyzes me. See, Kelly, I do a combination. I will physically get busy, but emotionally shut down. Mm-hmm. Because in my family of origin and all of that, it was, you know, when there was a lot of activity, we had to engage. And so when that happens now, I'm just like, I will go through the motions. I will clean the house. I will do those things. But inside, I'm numb. And I have done the exact same thing. And I would say up until age 39, can't believe I'm... Is that like last week? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Uh, not because I'm because I'm older than that. I guess my point, I'm like, wow, I'm an old, I'm an old soul. Up until 39... I didn't deal with anxiety at all, ever. But what happens typically like 35, 36, 42 is you have more responsibility on your plate than ever before in your life. I mean, my kids are 14 and 11 and they're in sports and I got a lot of responsibility and all of a sudden it was like, this is too much. And so I just ramp up, get it all done. But to your point, Bill, shut down. I have the tendency yeah. to shut down sometimes. I wonder what our listeners, as they're sitting there, you know, cars, desks, and their houses doing something around. I wonder what the thought would be is is when you're hurried, when you're busy, when that low hum of anxiety starts to rise up a little bit, like what do they do? Like what do you specifically do? Because we all have that place we go that bears the fruit that maybe we're not, that we do not want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm thinking even further down the road of like, Tim, you're asking what's the fruit of that? So you go down that path for whatever the amount, of, it's different for everyone, but we see it all around us. We're talking about culture. We see it everywhere. It is the culture of anxiety and it is the culture of burnout and it is the culture of failure in the key areas of our lives. Like that is the culmination of, I guess, the fruit of hurry and the opposite of what we would call like living in a settled posture. Totally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have been kind of in prep for this show. I've really, we have as a team and and I have as well, spent a lot of time just kind of learning about anxiety, especially because I've, I've personally dealt with it. But I think if we're being honest, all four of us have dealt with some level of anxiety. Like there is the um, general anxiety disorder, like the clinical kind of version of that. Mm But there's also just general anxiety that we all experience. Sometimes it's not clinical like every day and we're, you know, we would be diagnosed and medicated and that sort of thing. Sometimes it's just we're feeling restless or on edge. We feel often fatigued. We have difficulty focusing. We're irritable. We have excessive feelings of worry or difficult sleeping. What is, what is the excessive what? What was that word? Excessive feelings of worry. Oh, feelings. Okay. That's yeah, interesting. Exactly. The F word, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just rattled those off. Those are straight from the National Institute of Mental Health. Those are the symptoms for anxiety disorder. So if you're out there right now and you've resonated with one, two, three, four, or all of them, (laughs) you get a gold star because that's, I mean, think of the people we talk to on a day-to-day basis. Think of our spouses, think of our kids, think of our family. Shoot, think two months ago at the holidays when we'd encounter people. What did people, I'm busy, man, I'm tired. Who is not experiencing one or more of these symptoms today? Well, Well, you know, it's wild. The more people we talk to, at Sequel experiences or just in my life, the more I start to realize people really have a hard time sleeping these days. Mm-hmm. Like they're not good at sleeping. And what I didn't realize is that that's like one of the symptoms of being an anxious person is you don't sleep well. A couple of like quick stats, just, you know, cause I'm, I like stats. Bill loves stats, right? I love stats, but you did this one on your own. I did this one on my own. Since 2008, anxiety has doubled for adults between the ages of 18 and 25 in America doubled. 
Anybody want to guess what else happened in 2008? Man, I think there was a technological advance in that day and age. Tim, was there? The Facebook. Oh, the Facebook. Uh, the Instagram. <laughs> well, what about MySpace? <laughs> no, we're not talking about MySpace. That, that was the happening? precursor to anxiety. <laughs> no, <laughs> Wasn't there also a pretty big collapse? <laughs> there was. Absolutely. I don't know why I giggled at that. Yeah. That's it, terrible. Sure. It was a marked moment. Yeah, there's a in lot America. that happened. What also came out in January of 2007? The iPhone. The iPhone. Whoa. The iPhone. Not that there's any connection there. It's a really big deal. There's, I've looked in a lot of different studies, and the numbers are a little all over the map, but here's kind of the general consensus. About 30% of people in America suffer from one form or another of anxiety. 30%. And a lot of people just aren't being honest when they're taking the test. <laughs> Bingo. But yeah, yeah, I think we could probably inflate those numbers and and it's still accurate. I, I would think so. And that's, the still reason, a ma that's millions and millions and millions of people. That's just in America. That's that yeah, study. So that's, that's 100 just, million people just yeah. to put round numbers to that. That's about 100 million people. Hey, and if we're talking about even then, right, 2007, I can't imagine the increase because I think about like our kids, they didn't have access. I got stats for you. To technology, yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> because, bring it. <laughs> because it's funny you brought that up, Bill, the iPhone and Josh 2008, that was a seminal moment. It's only been 15 years. So since that moment, anxiety's doubled. We didn't have a thing called Instagram. Most people were not on Facebook at that time. Mm. TikTok wasn't even a thing. Twitter wasn't even a thing. By the way, you couldn't get your news feed like in exactly. your hand. So wow. I just listen. If you're, well, if you bought a paper, you could, but yeah, you know what I mean. Friend, you're listening, and, and like we said in the intro, we really do imagine that you're pulling the fifth chair up to the table and just hanging out with us to have a conversation. If you were here, I'd look you in the eye and I'd go, "How much time are you spending on your phone and on social media, and so forth?" And here's the stat in America. The average consumer spends 13 hours a day on media. That's all media. So that's the phone. That's it is. everything. It's that's your a, computer. It's, it's working. Here's it's what blew my mind. Whoa. How many hours in a day are we awake? That's what I was just going to say. Like that, I'm many. like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> the better question would be, how many hours of the day are you not on a screen or not with media, with people and outside? Well, I think you could do the inverse to say is if there's 24 hours in a day and the average person is only sleeping adult seven hours a day, that means only, what is the math? Seven. Seven hours. No, that's not right. Oh. 24 minus seven, 17. Carry the two. Minus <laughs> times six divided by pi. Four hours a day. Yeah. You're not attached to your phone. But that's the cumulative. I that's get, not I even like, it. I set my phone down for four hours and didn't I look at commercials. I don't bring my phone in the yeah. shower. I get it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, I can't. Right. <laughs> and we could go down a deep rabbit trail, and I'm just going to pull but us that's out for the sake of our beloved listener. <laughs> it is. Wow. There's a book called The Shallows. Mm -hmm. Do you remember who wrote it, Josh? Yeah, we've got it right here. Um, Nicholas. Carr? Yeah, Nicholas Carr. Nicholas Carr. It's and bright yellow. I love that book. Amazing book. It's a deep dive. Um, Deep, deep dive. But anyway, I read it, mm -hmm. gave it to Josh. Yeah, Josh it. read it, it kind of really blew our mind. He wrote this book 20 years ago. Bill, you should read this, by the way. Thanks. Yeah, Because <laughs> it stopped. Sorry I to leave you, Josh. Yeah, it you seems it. like you would bring it around this table. I know you like to be included. Bill, I'm including you. <laughs> Come you. into the circle. It. Uh, this book, here's the crazy thing, was wrote in 2002. Yeah, this, is, but it reads like he wrote it last week. Exactly. Yeah, and anyway, he does this deep dive in what technology is doing to our brains. It's not good. Not at all. But here's the reason I just kind of just throw that in there is because I think we would be 
lying to say that there are use of technology if it weren't connected to our hurriedness and our busyness and maybe even our anxiety. And then the question that we asked earlier that we would just love for you, the listener, the fifth person sitting at this table to just think about is, what is the fruit of that in your life? If we are so connected to all of those things, right, internet, online, how can we be connected to God? I mean, it's possible because I actually think, and this is another rabbit trail we won't go down, I think technology can be a beautiful way to engage in some of the spiritual practices, like we have the daily rhythm online, and it's it's pretty minimal in terms of its interface and so forth, but there's some good stuff out there. Like I love that there's the Bible app on your phone and, and some of that stuff, but the point is, is you're right. If you're connected to that thing all the time, what do you think the fruit of that's going to be? Mm-hmm. It, it's probably not great. So, Bill. Yes. When somebody goes to see a counselor, a therapist, a coach, and they're expressing feelings of anxiety or all the symptoms that we talked about, and and again, we're going to connect this to your relationship with Jesus, so hang in there. Like, what are some of the things a counselor will say to said person, maybe me? Maybe me? Maybe you. Maybe me. Right? About, like, how to slow down, how to unhurry how to reduce the anxiety in their life. Like, what are some of the tools yeah, that they're going to use? These are not going to be groundbreaking. It's like eating your vegetables. You know you should do it, but you don't. But I mean, number one would be get outside. Uh, you have to be in nature. You have to be moving your body. Those are things that help reduce anxiety and tension. There's a study that said that if you walk outside in nature, it can help your brain decrease stress by over 50%. Even looking at a picture of nature can decrease it by 30%. So just being around nature, isn't it crazy how God did that? Sleeping seven to nine hours a night uninterrupted, which many people in their cars are laughing right now. Uh, I totally get that. Exercise, uh, some sort of body movement to help redirect the energy from your brain to your body, connecting with people in a life-giving way, having people in your life you can laugh with, and eating healthy. I know that that's a topic of conversation a lot at this time of year, but that's a big deal. But the big one, Tim, is every coach, counselor, therapist will say, taking moments of space throughout your day where you can pause and they'll say, like, let your uh, your thoughts catch up with your body. They'll say, mm-hmm. uh, process your emotion in the moment. But really, it's a moment of space and settling that's uninterrupted where we can just breathe. <laughs> Those points in the day, two, three, four times a day, they don't make stress go away. They don't make anxiety go away. They build your body's resilience to be able to deal with it and process it at a better level. Mm. I can't help but think about how that's connected to our relationship with God because if we're in an anxious, hurried state, if we're moving so fast that we're just literally trying to get from one thing to the next, A, we tend to shut down emotionally there, but B, what do you think our ability to hear the voice of God and to connect with Him through the Holy Spirit on a moment-to-moment, day-to-day you know, level is? Probably not very great. No, and there's this dissonance too, right? There's this cognitive dissonance between what I want to be and what I am. And that's what I think a lot of us walk in in these situations where we go, I want to connect with God. I want to be settled. I want to be peaceful. I want to have great relationships. Wasn't it Willard or Comer that said that hurry is incompatible with love? Willard. So we want to be loving to people. And I have these impulses in my day to move from thing to thing, activity to activity. And I don't know how to break out of it. We call that homeostatic impulse. Ooh, that's Tim, a $4 word. That is a great word there, Tim. Tell me about that. Well, I'm going to talk about something that I know, you know, like uh, a paragraph about. We'll just 
call it that way, but I did. I skimmed an article. Yeah, no, I went to, <laughs> when I was in college, I did a lot of psychology work and so forth. But basically it's your brain creates these neural pathways or mm-hmm. these grooves or these patterns and habits. Just think of it that way. But there's a neurological thing that happens to that. Anyway, the older we get, the more that our body and our mind just wants to do the thing that is familiar with the path of least resistance. And so it's like our impulse to just do the familiar thing. And here's the craziest thing, and we won't go down this rabbit trail, but is even if it hurts you, even if it's the thing that is killing you, it's familiar. Your body wants to do it. It's interesting. It gives me a visual. We have a hiking path out at Haven, and it's really marked with arrows, and it's cleared off, and you kind of know where it twists and turns. And we have this one that could be a path that's kind of like overgrown branches, like slapping in the face. And I'm like, I never want to go on that path. Every once in a while, Tim will be like, hey, let's go check it. And I'm like, I don't want to. There's like burrs and pickers and all of this junk in the way. And I'm like, no, let's take the clear path. If you want to have the easy path. If you want to have a little bit of fun, Google homeostatic impulse and how your brain just subconsciously does things that keep you safe. And this is one of those things that keep you familiar and safe and use the least amount of energy possible. So a little example here. It's February. So we just got out of January, New Year's, around the table. How many days does it take for a New Year's resolution to fail? Mm-hmm. All right. Quick I'm gonna, answer. Come on. Uh, come yeah, on. I'm, uh, I'm going to go with 15. 15? Nine. Love it. Nine? Nine days. Nine days. So don't, on, don't, don't do prices right. Don't do prices. Right. I have don't do prices 21. Right. <laughs> I'm going to do 16. So, 17. I choose 17. <laughs> One dollar, Bob. One dollar. I volunteer as tribute. So most websites say uh, that most New Year's resolutions are done by February 1st. A 28 to 30 day window, people oh. will try. Now they fail towards the back end. But here's the crazy thing. That's the homeostatic Is impulse. that why they call it Blue Monday? Uh, Blue Monday, the last Monday in January, is they say the saddest day of the year because uh-huh. your holidays are over and your credit card bill hit. Uh-huh. So that was like seven days ago for us. Yeah. Get out your weighted there. blankets, I know. y'all. And your UV light. <laughs> yes. So do you guys want to know, Tim, in this conversation about hurry, do you want to know the number one inhibitor to New Year's resolutions, which in my mind is what people want to be? It's got to be discipline. Uh, discipline and busy schedule. Yeah. The lack of time to follow through. It's not knowledge. It's not resourcing. Mm-hmm. It's not people supporting them. It's discipline and time. So it's like someone generally, the general public who's making a commitment or wants to change. They're like They know they want to change. They know they need to change. They may even know how to change, but you're saying because of the busy schedule and the pace of their mm-hmm. own life, it's kind of like that's the disqualifier. I mean, think of all of us around the room when we've tried to start different things in life. What's the disqualifier? It's discipline and time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think sometimes I would add to that is we know that starting a new thing, a new practice or a new habit is tough because it takes practice. The reason we call them the spiritual practices is newsflash. <laughs> it takes practice. <laughs> and it's a practice that you are going to be doing the rest of your life. And there's fruit and life that comes from that. We want you to start now, but it does take practice. Can I give one second of hope here? Because there are some people listening right now that go, I can't change, or it's, I, I failed. Or this I've is tried. too hard. Like, yeah. I'm, tried. I'm busy. I'm busy. I, guys, I want that life you're talking about. I want that fruit you're talking about, but I just, man, I don't know if it's possible. God made our brains and bodies in a way that allows us to grow and change. Change is the great equalizer, right? Change is the way we grow. One little science fact, your brain is wired to change. Neuroplasticity, we've talked about it a little bit, Tim, you and I. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that your brain is not one static thing. It's dynamic. It can change. But 
there has to be a repeatable behavior time after time. When you do that long enough, it will change. It's not maybe, mm -hmm. scientists saw this a while ago. Once you repeat the practice, it strengthens your pathways and your brain can change to where that is a normal behavior for you. You want me to blow your mind? Do it. A little theological mind blow here. Do it. This will connect to that. First, they didn't know about neuroplasticity until about 30 years ago. They didn't know about it back in Jesus' time? No, a guy <laughs> discovered it, I want to say in like the late 60s or something like that. But anyway, or 83, I'm sorry, it was 83. Anyway, the science community basically didn't accept it until about 10 or 12 years ago. Okay, so this concept's about 30 years old. But here's the mind-blowing thing. In Deuteronomy 6, we find the Shema, which is, even if you don't know that's where it was found, you know this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, soul and, strength. and your strength. Okay. But when Jesus came, he added one really important thing to the mix. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Four things, not three. Mm -hmm. He inserted mind. And then we hear about Paul talking about later, the renewing of your mind. What Jesus, this is why he was the smartest person to ever live, right? He comes in long before we knew about neuroplasticity, long before we knew about atomic habits, long before we knew about all this kind of stuff. And he said, you've got to fix your mind on me. Yeah. You've got to renew your mind. And what we're here to tell you, friend, is that if you will engage in what we're about to teach you next, the process of settling, it will change your relationship with Jesus. Have you ever thought, wow, life is busy. I wish I could just get away for a few days to take a deep breath, press pause on life for just a minute to gain some perspective and clarity from God. I get it. Life can be hard. Sometimes we get a little worn down and tired and need a break to refresh our souls. Not a vacation or a weekend to binge on our favorite TV series but a few days to be with God and let Him breathe fresh life into us again. If that's you, we want to invite you to an experience we call Getaway. Getaway is a three-day experience that will give you rest for your soul as you engage deeply with God. At Getaway, our team will help you slow down and guide you through key spiritual practices that we talk about on this podcast, like how to settle, how to listen to God, and what it looks like to develop spiritual rhythm that's sustainable for the long run. So if you're tired and worn out, if you want to learn what it looks like to take a real rest, then join us at Getaway. For more information, visit seekwell.org slash getaway. All right, so I want to talk about the fruit of this practice called settling, which we talked again about in season one, episode four. So friend, go back and listen to that because we really dive into what the practice of settling is. But the fruit of settling is peace. Yeah, that's a good way to sum it up. Yeah. And I love that we're talking about what what you get on the other side before mm -hmm. even like telling you kind of sort of like the intricate how to or how to practice the practice. And I think when we say peace, I would just go one layer for me. It's when I get in those moments of settling, it's extremely difficult for me. I have the, the rabbit trail brain, all that kind of stuff, but it allows me in the rest of my day 
to draw from that experience with Jesus of settling and being with him. And my emotional ability, my emotional agility as I go throughout the day is so much higher so that I can even bring others peace. Mm. That's good. And I've been the recipient of that many Mm. times. And friends, one thing you should know in all of our SQL staff meetings, the first thing we do for every conversation and every meeting we do is we take two minutes to do exactly what we're about to do with you. We settle together as a team and we invite Jesus in because we want to go into our conversations as a team in a state of peace, in a state of no anxiety, really out of a state of love. Sometimes we pray for each other. Sometimes we just ask God, what do you want me to know in this situation? But the fruit of that is unbelievable. We've seen it at a team level, at a friendship level, at an interpersonal level. And so that's why Jesus says, don't be anxious about anything. Cast all of your cares on him. And what you get out of that is love, joy, peace. You get fruit. And so rather than talk about it any longer, what we want to do for you here is walk you through a three or four minute guided settling process. So a couple of disclaimers real quick. If you're in the car listening, Kelly's going to tell you to close your eyes. Don't close your eyes. Stay on the road. But you can do this even if you're driving. Okay, you you can. And we're going to carve this out as a little bit of a bonus episode later so you can come back to it. But... Kelly, would you guide us through like three to four minutes of settling? We're going to do all this all together at the table. I'd be happy and to. And just experience mm-hmm. what it looks like to take a couple of deep breaths, to slow down, and to invite Jesus into this moment together. I want you to go ahead and close your eyes. And we're going to take a couple of deep breaths. Let's take three. And as you do that, I want you to breathe in through your nose and all the way out your mouth. Sometimes we don't fully exhale. And I want to make sure that you do that. feels. As your heart rate maybe starts to lower. Notice any tension in your body. Maybe a place that feels tight. shrug your shoulders up to your ears and then relax them. And if your hands are on a desk, 
or in your lap or on a table, go ahead and open them. And take one last deep breath and exhale fully. aware of how you're feeling and maybe even notice what emotion is popping up. And see if you can name it. becoming very present to your interior world. It may be something you've not been aware of. In this moment, in your own way, invite Jesus in and ask him into this moment with you. simple thing you can say is, Jesus, I want what you want. Align my heart with yours, God. Matthew 5, verse 6 says, Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense His grace. When I try to think of the words that best articulate this specific practice in my own personal life and I think collectively in the lives of everyone who's trying to seek Jesus well, this passage sums it up. Mm-hmm. And there's words that stick out. That big one for me is is shift. This is, I think, the message translation. Mm-hmm. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. And I flash back to before I even knew the opportunity to do something like this existed, or I can be so bold as to say is this is what I should have been doing my entire life when trying to live this way or practically be in a personal moment with God. I can't help but think that so many of us forget about moving through our days hurried and unsettled just in our own personal pursuit of Jesus and relationship 
with God, how much we miss this. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're talking about like the God of the universe here, who is at the same exact time lovingly personal with every one of us. And my goodness, like I'm 40 years old and most of my adult spiritual life was lived with God in hurry, but in hurry with him, like partial attention and partial worth. And I'm pointing the finger at myself because I wouldn't dare do that (laughs) to you guys and everybody listening. But if we're really being honest, we don't walk with God. We don't, we aren't with God this way, Mm. but this is the way he intended us to be with him. You go all the way back to the garden. Adam and Eve didn't walk with God in the cool of the day while talking about the fruit they were harvesting and the things they did at the same time. They weren't multitasking with God. They were fully present. And that's a word we haven't said yet on this episode, but settling leads us to being fully present with God. Yeah, this is the practice that I'm working on right now. And you said it, Josh, last year, and I've never forgot these words. It is a first things first. If you want to hear from God, if you want to be with God, if you want to not be anxious or worried, but be present and have love and joy and peace, friend, before you ever do anything with Jesus, before you read a scripture, before you offer up a prayer, before you ask him for anything, just settle Invite God in, and you will sense his grace. The focus will shift from you to God. You'll align your heart with his. You just say, God, I want what you want. I surrender. And you won't believe what your connection to God will look like in time as you practice it. First three minutes a day, and then two times a day, and then for extended periods of just sitting with God, it will change your life. And we want to help you in that. We're going to take that settling experience that we just did together, and we're going to create a bonus episode for it so you can access it throughout the day. We also have kind of revamped and and tweaked the daily rhythm just a little bit to make it just a little bit more practical. And so there's a whole week dedicated towards the practice of settling, you can go to the dailyrhythm.org and click settle. And you can spend a whole week as we guide you through what does this look like and how can you do it? How can you learn it and practice it and put it into place over a seven-day period? There's also one of our favorite resources that, Bill, you use this several times a day called the Pause app. Mm -hmm. I believe it's available on all devices. It's all devices free from Wild at Heart, John Eldridge's yep. organization. One, three, five minute, 10 minute pauses. They have mental health pauses. It's it's phenomenal. Put it on in the car when you're driving somewhere. Yep. It's a super robust app. They've developed it over time. And, and that's another way that you can put this into place. You, friend, you need this. I don't even know you. And I know you need this because I know I need this and we, we need, need this. this. And <laughs> so... I just want to kind of just rewind just a minute and to say, what is the tension with this practice? It's busyness. It's hurried. Mm -hmm. It's our schedules. But get past the tension, reject the homeostatic impulse, reject the familiar, and embrace maybe even the uncomfortable and experience the fruit of this practice by connecting deeply with God. Experience the peace, and we think it's going to help you live the life Jesus offers. 
All right, friends, it is time for one of our favorite parts of the podcast. We've heard from you. It is one of your favorite parts of the podcast, and it is my personal curated shopping list <laughs> at the bane of my wife. Three things we love is our chance to spread a little joy into your life by telling you about a few things that we've discovered, love, and think you will too. We're not here to promote it. We haven't got any sponsors yet. yet. We'll say yet. <laughs> but just saying that we're in love with these things uh, for many different purposes, and you should check them out. So we're going to go around the room today because I'm hosting today. I get to choose the order. So I'm going to start with Kelly. Kelly, you go first. first. You go first because yours are usually the best. Oh, thanks, Phil. Thanks, Phil. So to be determined, this is so fitting for this episode, but I have a uh, playlist that I love to like flip on whether I'm writing or journaling, if I'm, I'm doing a little time settling or being contemplative. It's a music to write to playlist, and it's by Sleeping at Last. So I want to say his Love name is him. Ryan O'Neill. Oh my goodness, yeah, he's great. His stuff with words is fantastic, but mm-hmm. his music he writes it. I think he has an Enneagram, you know, album. If any of you want, he's to got an, an album. album I think for every Enneagram the number. Enneagram. Yes. Oh, not an album, but an album that. A song yes. for yes. each. Yeah. Number three broke me. Um, I'm yeah, lying. You'll listen to your <laughs> own. T- tell me more. Time. <laughs> I don't want to. Sure? It's a different uh, podcast. I was like, Kelly, where, where do you, you li- see into my soul? <laughs> where do you listen to this playlist? On? So I listen to mine on Apple. Okay. I'm pretty certain it's on Spotify it as well. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So check it out. Say it one so more good. time. Music to write to playlist sleeping at last. Gotcha. All the scene Love kids it. from the early 2000s will know exactly what she mm. sa- means when she says sleeping at last. Can we at one point in our show ever do favorite podcast or favorite uh, playlist we listen to? Because oh. there's some good ones around It would be that. like almost like a guilty pleasure. It would be. Tim, what about you? What's, it, what's one of your three things you love? So I have a lot of things I love and I have you can't name them all. been accused of being bougie. That's not an accusation. That's the truth. It's been proven in court. <laughs> <laughs> So Are I've you been, denying? I, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> He's a runner, <laughs> emotionally. Uh, so I've been thinking of like, okay, you know, I think one of my first ones last year was a 300 and something dollar coffee grinder, and I do love it. It's a great grinder. But I, I was thinking about like, okay, what do I love to use when I'm moving a little bit slower, a little bit more present, that's like not bougie, practical, you know, $20-ish, you know, it wouldn't break the bank kind of a thing. And I, I found it. And I've had this thing for about a year, and it is probably my most gifted gift in the last year. And that, I, cause that I, you give? Yeah, because my okay. love language is gifts, so I'm just going to impose my love language onto you, even if you don't like it, Josh. Like, yeah, Josh isn't a gifts guy, but <laughs> I give Josh gifts, right? Yeah, and I'm grateful. Okay, so and here's what it great. is. It's a digital meat thermometer. There we go. It costs 20 bucks on Amazon, mm. and the brand is, I think it's Nysetek. Spelled N- N-Y-C-E-T-E-K. Now, there's okay. a bunch of these out there, and this one's specific because I have two of these, one for Haven and one for our house. And the other one I have is not as good and a little bit more expensive, actually. This one is 20 bucks on Amazon. And the thing is, the reason I love this is because Kelly and I have gotten into fish to try to be a little bit more healthy in the last mm. two years. And I'm terrified of undercooking fish, hmm. as are most people when it comes to chicken. 165. It, Bill knows this, right? Uh, and some people with steak, but they shouldn't be because steak at, you know, 145-ish. It's just moving. Rare, it's I just mean, like, yeah. I cook, I want it to <laughs> most likely be a jerky 
taste. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so it's we're fully cooking my, and dry. My daughter, my daughter legitimately <laughs> says when she eats meat, she gonna... she wants it to be dead and yes. look dead. Yeah. I legitimately just broke this. Well, uh, three oh, things no. you no longer love. Is that a new segment? Buy what this I... is uh, you still now love three it? things it's in real time. We kind of like. You hear this? Oh, one forty-five pork, one sixty-five so chicken. It, there's like <laughs> every kind of meat: lamb and veal and hamburger and pork. And anyway, and then you can change it to your temperature. Oh. Automatically reads it. Twenty bucks. I know I'm long-winded. Get over it, okay? And I gotta buy anyone. So anyway, that's it. That's Three things we love. That's one. Did you? <laughs> Tim is gonna help you cook your meat. So maybe I'll buy you guys one. Thank you. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, Josh. What about you? I use a little mini journal, but. For the last year, year and a half, it has had a, just a normal, big, bulky pen attached to it. So what I'm holding in my hand, this little guy, is called the Fisher Space Pen. Space. Space, space Pen. And that's because it was invented to go on the initial Apollo missions. Like with outer space. Outer space. Pen. Yeah, space mm-hmm. pen. So I don't know. What would you say? That's like three It's a little mini pen. What's brilliant about this, it was created by the guy who invented that little cartridge that is in every single pen, that plastic thing that's full of ink. That tube. Yep, that Mm -hmm. tube. Yep. So this little guy is meant to write underwater, on water, through grease, upside down, gravity, zero gravity, in any condition. No way. And you can actually get get it on Amazon. Has that been to outer space? Not this physical one, because this one's mine. But right now, this exact model of pen is on the ISS. The Chinese and Russian space programs also use it. Okay, here's the thing. I literally didn't know that when I asked for this pen for Christmas. I just wanted a small pen. And Patrick, our friend Patrick, who you've heard, maybe heard on the podcast, our buddy was sitting next to me at one of our experiences around the campfire. And I look over, he's got this cool little pen. I was like, where did you get that? He told me about it. He likes nice stuff. He does. Now, this this is the most expensive pen I own at $28. Don't lose so it. So hold on. Right. You have the most expensive three things we love today. Oh, oh you do. Goodness, Free. This, this might as well be a $300 grinder, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Fisher Space Pen. Shinola sells it. That's how you know it's good. They sell this they pen? They do sell How much pen? do they want for this pen? $29. Oh. Bucks. We have a playlist. We have a meat thermometer. And yes. we have a ISS rated space pen. Well done. Yeah. Hey, and Bill. First time hosting Three Things We Love. Well, it's not my first rodeo. It is not your first rodeo. (laughs) Hey, friends, thanks for joining us on this episode of Free and Light. We're so grateful that you're a part of this conversation. Hey, do us a favor. Share this episode with somebody who you think would really benefit from learning the practice of settling or somebody that just needs a Fisher Space Pen. And uh, we hope that this is something that brings joy to your life, that helps you in the pursuit of Jesus. And we will see you next time on Free and Light. Free and Light is a podcast of Sequel Ministries. We believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate connection with Jesus. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit us at sequel.org slash donate.